You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm excited to talk to Jonathan Ball today about enterprise sales management. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Asher. Thanks for having me on the show and uh, happy to be here today. Fantastic. Now, I'm excited because you have a breadth of experience in enterprise sales and leading enterprise sales teams, and I want to dive into how to manage enterprise sales teams of today and how to manage them, or maybe the better word is lead, them the enterprise sales teams of the future. But before we go there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, everything we're going to tee up today is going to be like sort of pre and post COVID, right? Because the pandemic really um, substantially impacted the way we sell, uh, especially in the enterprise field sales motion. You know, that all was converted to digital, right? So it it became essentially an inside sales um, routine versus being in the field, lunches, customer engagements, um, boardrooms, etc. You know, it completely changed. But um, so a little bit about me, you know, I'm the regional vice president for the NetWitness business unit as part of RSA. So a leading cybersecurity software company. And my responsibility is really everything east of the Mississippi um, as a sales leader. So half the U.S. and all of Canada. Fantastic. And tell us about your earlier days of learning enterprise sales. I want people to listen to this story because because it's the stories of how people evolve and they take their take take risks to get to where they are is what I want other future leaders to listen to this who are basically um, uh, listening to our podcast. Yeah, you know, I started my career right out of university um, and I had a, I had a choice, right? Um, I studied finance and I could go uh, work for a retail um, chain and be a financial planner um, and, uh, you know, help budget for their new retail locations, um, the equipment they needed, you know, and so on and so forth. But, um, and the other option was to go work hundred percent commission, uh, for Xerox, you know, a, a printing company in a world trying to go green, right. Print less, do less, you know, I mean, obviously the pandemic has even, uh, caused more stress on their business, but that's where I cut my teeth was, was at Xerox, um, selling copiers and selling them on leases in the uh, in the downtown core of Toronto, and so you know, you know, built a lot of great habits. Um, you know, we were expected in the office at eight, out at nine a.m., back in the office at four. So between the you know time of of nine and, and four, we had to be hitting the bricks, as they call it, which is door knocking, dock knocking. We were cold calling in person, believe it or not. You know, that's what that's what we did. That that is that is the real deal, you know. I mean, I'm sure all the people that you were doing this with became some of them became your lifelong friends, or maybe all of them became your lifelong friends. Yeah, a lot of us have worked together for a long time at, at several other companies as well. 
Um, back then, we were called elevator jockeys because you get downtown and you'd ride the elevator all day long in each office building, really like mapping out what office, it, well, what uh, businesses were on each floor, and collecting business cards. Right, which with the, the receptionist was the main gatekeeper you right. know, for the SMB space. Right. Oh man, I mean, yeah. I feel like we need to get the four or five of you together and build a build a Netflix serial or something like that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those were good times. Um, Perfect. So let's dive in because we, we there's a lot that's written about SMB sales. There's a lot of that's written about embed market sales. But enterprise sales is a very different motion as I've come to learn through my own journey. But you're like, like I don't consider myself like a lifelong seller, right? Although people tell me that I come across like that. But you have actually done it for real, right? And so... so um, Talk to us about like enterprise sales in the past, and then let's focus on enterprise sales of today. So enter- enterprise sales really is, you know, the practice and in, in, in sales motion around establishing long-term strategic relationships within a market and within a certain um, uh, targeted customer segment. So where I've seen this really be the most successful is where you have a very targeted name list of accounts assigned to the rep. Um, and that rep is solely responsible for growing, developing, um, and penetrating, you know, those accounts. And, you know, the, the, it's always best when there's a mix of existing and net new accounts, um, because you can grow and foster those existing relationships while also prospecting into those net new logo accounts. So, you know, the rep, um, you know, feels like they're getting the best of both worlds. So I've been in both a pure hunter role and a, and a pure uh, farming role and mixed in between. Um, and, you know, I, I really do believe that the hybrid model uh, is the best approach for the enterprise space um, because it, it brings both tactics and styles of, of um, fostering existing customer relationships and, and hunting and going after net new logos, um, you know, to, to one um, you know, sales motion. That's really good insight because a lot of times, you know, when you see enterprise sales teams go the other way, right? It's because those enterprise sellers, their sales experience or their like their experience was so much focused on just new business, new business, new business, new business that they got tired of not even having a small win. And so with the existing accounts, you can still continue to build your muscle about what winning looks like. And again, sellers are no different than anybody else. They want, you have to continue to, to build that muscle, right? And then as enterprise sales leaders, it's our job to put them in an environment where they can experience those small wins and focus on larger wins. And I mean, from the customer's perspective, they want long-term relationships with their vendors. Um, and that's only going to happen when you have an account executive that's dedicated and named to an account over a long period of time. They understand the business model. They understand the business challenges. And when you look at enterprise sales uh, across the market, uh, they're longer, they're longer sales cycles. Uh, they're more complex, highly technical. And usually, um, you know, the company, that's, uh, you know, selling the product has a portfolio of offerings. 
So you're never going to approach an enterprise level organization and unload the truck, right? You're always going to work on this land and expand strategy where you get in with a wedge, you find a, a discrete pain, and you align your product's value proposition to that discrete pain. And if you win, that's your opportunity to number one, prove your credibility, um, you know, with an initial, uh, you know, module or product, and then grow within that account. So we know that it's like seven or eight times less expensive to sell to an existing customer. So why would you turn and burn sales and uh, you know build a, a enterprise sales team that's 100% focused on acquisition? And when they get a new customer, you hand that off to someone else. I mean, you're losing all that tribal knowledge of of that sales cycle um, that you just that you just won. So. Um, you know, that, that's just my recommendation for, for enterprise sale, sales enablement and is really having this hybrid model. Fantastic. I've taken a note of that. Let's move to where is enterprise sales today? Like after everything that we've experienced? Pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, very different world because we've all become inside sales reps, right? Yes. Um, and we're all selling through these digital channels. Um, you know, if I boil it down to, you know, sort of some tactical details, like there's a direct correlation to the level of digital communication customers and prospects are receiving and the date that lockdown and the pandemic started. Like everyone today, you know, customers, um, decision makers, influencers, business leaders, like they're all receiving like 10 times the amount of digital communication. Um, that they were pre-pandemic because that's the only channel to communicate, you know, with those customers. So this really leads us to asking, you know, our teams and our sales enablement resources, like, how do we, how do we cut through the noise? Right. So we really looked at it from a, a data perspective and said, okay, we really need to study this scientifically um, because the traditional approaches to digital communication are not effective anymore. I'm talking like regular webinars, eBooks, analyst reports, like those things have really been abused and customers aren't receptive to that content anymore. And what we're finding is less structured, more natural communication is much more effective. Like today's podcast, like yep. fireside chats with customers or blog posts on recent events. Yep. These are really resonating with customers because they want something new and engaging and relevant and also personalized to them and to what they care about. 100%. And, you know, somebody actually told me this statement, which I think is super true, is, uh, and it just got extended based on what we've all experienced, is the number one reason why people buy in the enterprise is the experience that the salesperson delivers. It's, it has nothing to do with everything else, right? And if you all sit back and think about it as, as sales professionals, like, what is the sales experience? It's actually not the sales process, but it's everything else. So, and I, sometimes I chuckle because, you know, like we've all been talking about salespeople and marketing people, like kind of aligning and all this other stuff, right, that, that we do. But it's actually at the tactics level, right? Because if more salespeople learn how to do, let's say, podcasts, for example, right? I mean, yeah. it's true. This is how you and I met, right? Yeah. Uh, 
uh, or they, they learned how to record videos together, or they did some activities where people spent quality time with them that did not end in a, in a huge bar tab. Uh, or maybe that's also that's also important to celebrate. Yeah. But we would create so much so much energy together that then that can be utilized to solve business problems and people become comfortable. Well, it's funny because I think we spoke we actually spoke about that about yes. six weeks ago, and the the this the study around this was the more technically complex a sale becomes, the more the selling experience from the customer's perspective matters. So studies actually show us this can contribute to above 50% of the weighting in a customer's decision-making process. I mean, think about that for a second. This means that 50% of the weighted decision-making criteria is 100% controllable by the sales professional that's responsible for delivering that sales experience. Now, the other 50% is broken up into your traditional categories like product, functionality, brand, competition, price, you know, what you would think matter in their, you know, matrix criteria. But I mean, that's, that's not true. It really is about this experience you deliver. And, and, you know, I think that brings us sort of to this next idea is like, how do you deliver digital selling experience, um, you know, through these different channels, right, that that really make the traditional infield enterprise rep almost uncomfortable to sell in front of the camera and to sell over Zoom, um, and, and to reinvent themselves in this in this new digital era. I want to double down on the word that you just used. It's the word actually was uncomfortable, and it is true because you know it's it's so it's so funny because if you and I were to meet right, and let's say we're new reps, right, like we would have no problem engaging person to person, but if you put a screen in front of you. All of a sudden, there's like this this feeling that like it's not natural and stuff. So you really have to like do something about it. So walk us through how you think about enterprise sales leadership now, because we need to take care as leaders of our people who we are kind of like unleashing to the world. Yeah, I mean, this was part of my own reinvention of my own sort of personal brand online was, you know, stepping outside that comfort zone, right? Be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? I mean, that is, you know, as sales professionals, that's that's what we have to get used to. And again, um, you know, leaders have to really walk the walk, right? So think of it from a customer's perspective. Every time you jump on a Zoom call um, and the audio quality is poor, the video is pixelated, there's poor lighting and framing. I mean, what does that say to a customer about a technology company trying to sell them technology. I mean, it's not like a good look if you don't deliver sort of this like excellent customer experience, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're buying technology from you and you don't have yeah. the right tech stack for your own sales team. I mean, it, it really is a very simple concept, but the more sales teams I engage with, the more I realize that that point isn't being driven home. I mean, in my previous company, right when the pandemic started, we took it as far as bringing in um, specialized trainers that focused on what you know what I call performing for the camera. And they were ex-Broadway actors turned sales coaches to redefine the sales experience over Zoom and in front of a camera. So like that really transformed our team and set the bar for how you need to perform as a sales professional over Zoom. 
or yeah, any that, digital channel. That's unbelievable. That. I have never heard a sales leader tell me that that's what they've done to support their teams. I personally believe in this philosophy. When we were building partnership teams two companies ago, we actually did the same thing and provided speaker speaker training to people. And, you know, everybody thinks about, like, let's give these people a bunch of, like, product enablement and this and that. One, they're absolutely boring, right? So nobody yeah. really pays attention to it. And they, they and, and the whole point of pulling people out of the field is to actually help build more camaraderie. And it actually serves, once again, in a really high bar tab for me, where they should be serving people building skills that they can use in other walks of life. So kudos to you for actually, like taking the time and putting people in, into this through this uh, camera training. It paid its dividends, obviously. I mean, but, you know, and then you have to have the organization also sponsor this transformation. So we immediately sent everyone dual monitors, docking station, external webcam, external microphone and speakerphone, because you don't want to use what's built into your laptop because yep. that technology is, you know, garbage. It doesn't deliver the best yep. experience. We sent them ring lights and we gave them budget for a new standing desk. As you can see, like I'm standing yeah. at yep. the station yep. because, you know, I go by the philosophy, like motion creates emotion, yep. right? Like you're moving around. It, it just helps to communicate your emotion yep. through these communication channels. I mean, how, it's so much harder to effectively communicate through video and over Zoom and, and to get the sentiment of the customer that, you know, when you hop on a Zoom and you have your camera on, the customer then feels obligated to come on camera and you can start building that connection, yeah. right? So, it, I mean, it's a new world, right? We're all all learning together and, you know, we're failing fast. We're iterating our approaches, our approach, sorry. And, um, you know, it's an exciting time and we're also very excited to get back to the traditional way of selling. But, you know, obviously reaching this sort of new equilibrium where remote meetings are, are more accepted, right? So... I, so as you're saying this, like what I'm thinking is given that we all now can get large deals done through this matter, right? There's always the celebration of the large deal with the customer that none of us actually spend a lot of time on, right? And so what we do is we go to these trade shows, right? And we spend like five days with people. And yeah. then when we come back, we send them a PO, right? We can actually like flip it. By we should get all the deals done on this in this medium, right? And still stay close to our families, and then put a fishing trip, or you know, I don't know, like an F four F one racing trip, or something like that, on the flips end of it, and take like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and just go do it, right? I think that would be way more fun because you're actually like the customers are all on this like epiphany moment because or euphoric moment, maybe that's the right word that they just bought something really really expensive, and then now they're like, wow, like like what do we do next? And then we welcome them with an onboarding call. We should be welcoming them with like an outward engagement where we should all spend time together. What do you think? I, I think that's an incredible idea. I love to help you change the market's perception of yeah. how these deals should be worked. Um, because, you know, I don't think we, we spend enough time basically uh, hanging out on a personal level, uh, you know, with our, with our customers because we're so focused on you know working on the project working on the evaluation pursuing the sales cycle yes. that right when it's done it's almost like bittersweet it's like oh god this thing finally closed i just want to move on yes. and you know there's no like you said there's no celebration and there's so much there's work put in on your side and on the customer side to go through these enterprise sales motions like tremendous amount of work you're talking 10 plus 15 plus people 
if not more, involved in one transaction. Um, you know, it's extremely complex and it's a heavy lift. So, yeah, we, it deserves a pat on the back at the very least and a fishing trip, you know, maybe know. some movement off of... You know, Cape Cod. I mean, I'm, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, right? Like, and and I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down on this concept because seven thousand people executives listen to this, right? Like, everyone in in enterprise sales has gone through one really tough, or maybe more than one really tough procurement negotiation or legal negotiation. At least one. At least one, right? Nobody's actually paused to say, "Well, I mean, they in the end treated us really well, and we got what we wanted." Now, how about we just go like hang out with these guys and figure out who they are actually are because we're about to go to them next year for renewals. And so we're going to go through this process again. That's the second time. I may actually know about something about the person and we can get all the, the BS out of the way and just focus on the things that are important and then, you know, close it out again. And I think that would be way, way more fun. You know, I, I always find if you don't mix professional and personal time like you don't have any time for personal time right like because the the lines have been completely blurred especially selling through these digital channels i mean you look at my calendar it's like zoom meeting from like 8 a.m to 6 p.m every day no breaks there's no drive to the office listening to music there's no like meeting prep you know in a boardroom with your solution engineer or other resources it's like back to back to back to back to back so if you don't take that time to just take a breath and slow down like when do you have time for the personal stuff? Like when do you have time to, you know, connect with your customers on a more intimate basis and, and learn what they actually care about personally, because that then affects how they act as professional buyers, right? They're yes. motivated by their, the, by their personal goals and values, but they don't communicate that through their professional personas, right? So you only learn that outside the boardroom over a lunch, over a dinner, on the golf course, at an event, right? So it, it's a critical part of the enterprise sale. And we've been stripped of that, um, you know, for the last 18 months. Yes. No, really, really, really well said. So bringing us back to enterprise sales leadership, right? So so you put people through this training, which is fantastic because, I mean, this is a life skill, right? What other things do you as a sales leader do to support your team? So... The, the passive selling motion for sure, right? So making sure, you know, I'm acting as a senior resource for the team. Um, I like to aggregate or I like to break up my time about 70% in customer meetings and 30% dealing with internal management um, and expectations. So as a frontline leader, right, I manage a team of eight enterprise account execs spread across two countries. Okay. Um, I want to be in the trenches with my reps, watching them do discovery calls, helping them with those discovery calls, proposal meetings, demos, workshops, um, because we really do work as a yin and yang with, you know, on those sales pursuits. Um, but also, if, you know, if I'm spending 70, 75% or 70% of my time in the field, I can then collect the customer sentiment and what's really going on in the accounts at the ground level what we call ground truth, and I can take that up to the the executive leadership team to say, guys, you you had one idea of where you wanted to take this product or this strategy, but guess what? The customers are asking for X, and um, you know, luckily, you know, with, with us being you know sort of a renewed startup here at RSA, yeah. we're making those agile changes on the fly, collecting real customer feedback, and then 
putting that into organizational changes and pivots um, because you don't always get it right the first time. Yep. No, I mean, it's fantastic. So what what do you do? And it is a tough question now, right? Sure. So like, what do you do when people just aren't cutting it, right? Because sometimes, you know, people are just so used to doing things a certain way and they're just not cutting it, right? Like, how do you support those individuals? So, you know, first off, you know, you, you have to, with, with any sales team, you have to establish, you have to be able to answer two main fundamental questions outright with a yes. The first one is, do I understand what I'm supposed to do every day? And for a sales professional, that's like, do I have my accounts? Do I have my quota? Do I know how I get paid? Right? So, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do every morning. I'm supposed to attack this territory. I'm supposed to sell this software and this is how I measured successfully, which is quota. Okay, that's good. Number two is, do I have the data, technology and information on my territory, on my job function, on my role to make me successful, right? So talk about, you know, performing for the camera, talk about shipping all new home office equipment to to the team, putting in the proper digital sales enablement resources like uh, a business intelligence tool, a data validation tool, so that the reps can collect and gather the intel on their accounts that they need to effectively sell in an enterprise sales motion. So if you answer those two questions with a resounding yes, you've, you've provi- you, they understand what they're supposed to do, and they have everything they need to effectively do that job, then you need to look at the data and say, well, why aren't they engaged? Why aren't they measuring up to um, to perform and the data is, you know, because we're all digital now, it's like, okay, how many minutes have they logged weekly on their Zoom profile, right? Or uh, how often are they using their conference bridge for customer meetings, right? And so you can collect these different data points, data points that are leading indicators if they're even engaged. Like, are they calling customers? Are they sending emails, right? Um, and that's the direct data point. And then you can drill in further and you can engage with them and say, hey, look, I, I noticed. You didn't even log into your Zoom account all week this week. Obviously, you didn't host any customer meetings because that's our meeting platform. So why? What happened? Talk to me about where you're struggling. Um, so you can really uh, interrogate the data, you know, and I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, at, at Demand Matrix, right? You guys are all about interrogating yes. the data. That's, <laughs> that's what you lead with. So you've got, yes. you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. But the, but the data really doesn't lie. And I have a data and analytics background, so I, I really do, you know, rely on, on that. But also the data can be used to, um, to, to gather intelligence on your customer's propensity to buy, which is really, I love that. It, it, it's such a cool, um, you know, such a cool factor to the new sales motion in the enterprise space is, you know, your customers are researching products, um, projects and they're doing their own research, right? They say that now I think it's up to 70% of the research is done before they engage the vendor or the sales professional. So how can you collect the data on your customer's research, right? Like that's all available to you now. So, you know, a mix of making sure you're, you're giving and going back to your question around about answer, but um, going back to what you asked was how, how are you measuring success and how are you enabling your sales professionals, well, if you've answered those two questions, you have the technology in place, you can really interrogate that data to find out, you know, where are the breaks in the chain? And then you can coach and mentor that sales professional on that specific area that they're struggling, right? Well said. And 
to take that customer propensity to buy concept a little bit further, right? Yeah. There needs to be a score that says seller's propensity to sell. And and I, I really uh, love the fact that you actually did not take the, oh, the reps are bad approach. You actually took the, hey, you know, there must be something that's not working in this thing that we've set up. And because nobody wants to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to go suck at work, right? Like, yeah. Like there, there is that support system that needs to be created, which is truly the the benchmark of what an enterprise leader, sales leader should be all about. But this idea about sellers' ability to sell or propensity to sell, I think, is going to come up next, right? So that we match the right sellers with the right customers' propensity to buy. At that point in time, I think we will see like seller happiness and customer happiness just go through the roof. I, we are about maybe like 18 months or 24 months away from, from this concept becoming a, a big thing because the tools are d- different, the, the data sources are disparate. So all of this stuff has to come together to allow professionals or executives like yourself to, to be able to perform, perform at that level. So you're almost talking about a personalized sales professional mapping to account. Yes, Based on personality profiles, selling style, yes, you know, that's, that's advanced. That I mean, that would be. What about uh, what about another score, another evaluation of like, um, you know, vendors' ability to deliver, right? 100%. Like, you know, okay, you, you you sell the software, you sell the technology, you know, the product is really great, but it's not the, the implementation and delivery isn't executed well, so that the sales experience is poor on the back end, right? Because it's yes. all about that experience. So they buy yes. from you once, they'll never buy from you again. Yes. And, you know, it's almost like having that intel on the vendors, on the technology. Yes. 100%. Very yes. useful for, for the customer. Yes. And I think I think that is where G2 and tools like G2 will ultimately end because there'll be enough data and people will be open to share this data as we all become more transparent uh, with, with each other. But... I think there'll be, since it's the vendors who have to build that product, I feel like they're going to lag on it. But the, the seller's ability to sell or the propensity to sell, I think will get done much faster because all sales leaders are going to push for this first and say, hey, we want to make sure that we, to retain top talent, that we provide them the best opportunities that are suited to them. And then sales goes through this transformation. Every, by virtue of that, everybody becomes happier. Yeah, I, I know I have a background in kind of sort of the open source community as well. So working together to improve the experience with customers, partners, and vendors alike yep. was a big part of that open source background. It's like, you know, you have customers and vendors building their own widgets and customizations on the platform and then sharing that with yes. the broader community and driving yes. better customer value out of the product that you yes. built, right? So, I mean, it, I mean that's a very powerful um, sort of community-based selling effort, right? Yes, no, to- totally, and that, that's that's a, that's a I would say a philosophical difference in the approach, right? And and it's why uh, for those of us who have not had enough interaction with open source communities, like these are tribes, right? And they yeah. have a unwritten code that people follow, and you're expected to like live like that, right? So, I mean, so that's why I go back to like, the, it's it's just a very different philosophy of of, uh, of of the way that you approach a problem. Uh, but I do think it's the right one because it brings everybody together. But not everybody wants to bring everybody together too. That's a different philosophy, you know? This topic or this theme brings me back to 
you sort of thinking about the information age, right? Like what, yep. what the internet has done for, for everyone, for every industry. And I think about being in high school and trying to use Wikipedia as a source on any paper or study. And like it was, it, you, you would, you would fail the yes. paper or, or the study because Wikipedia was not allowed to be a source. But now, you yes. know, 15 years later, yes. 20 yes. years later, 100%. guess what? Wiki is the yes. only source right. <laughs> that they accept now because everything uses Wikipedia as right. a centralized crowdsourced yeah. information platform, right? I mean, that is all yeah. about open source information. That, that, that It started yes. it. Wikipedia yes. was the start. Yes, no, no 100%. All right. Um, I want to make sure that we pack enough value in this podcast, but it's also short enough so people can take something away from it. Yeah. Are there is there advice that you have for future uh, enterprise sales leaders on on how to make sure that their sales teams are engaged? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll keep it super simple. Some things I wanted to touch on for this session is you know just because we're we're selling through the digital channels now and. We probably will be for the next six to eight months, and then we'll find our new equilibrium once things open up. Is you your your enterprise se- selling team has to have the same level of effort as an SDR group in a more tactical and strategic way. So if you think of a of an SDR team, they're going to have five hundred accounts, and they're going to call on um, you know one to two people within those accounts each thousand contacts. So they're managing that. You look at a, a generalized, you know, general enterprise sales territory, let's say it's it's 30 accounts, right? So that enterprise sales rep now needs to put the same level of effort and volume into those 30 accounts, but reaching out to 10 to 15 contacts within each account, yep. getting high, wide and deep, um, still managing the same number of contacts relatively, right? Three to 500 contacts, but in a different way, um, and that really helps you understand um, each of these different accounts because you're meeting and correlating data points that you're hearing from 12 to 15 different people within the same account. And guess what? You're going to hear a different answer if you ask the same question to every single one of those people. And that helps you build that knowledge you know, about, about their business. And then lastly, or secondly, I would just say, take a, take a data-driven approach. The data is out there. It's been studied. It's been reviewed. It's been validated. And, um, you know, we've gone as far as like, what are the best dates and times to send prospecting emails? So my team has reviewed this over and over again. And each quarter, it dynamically actually changes. But in general, like the best time to send prospecting emails or make calls are Tuesdays and Thursdays, like before 9 a.m., between 1 and 2 and after 5, because that's when they generally check their voicemail and emails. But then that changes based on the persona you're targeting. So if you think about an executive, right, the champion, the decision maker, the best time to send them prospecting emails is actually Saturday or Sunday before 10, because they don't have time during the week or bandwidth to check their email. So if you're hitting them up and you're the first one in their inbox on the weekend, they're getting to your email and they're getting back to you. So, I mean, you really have to mix this, uh, you know, the, the data, the, the science with the art of, of the enterprise sales motion. Um, and there's a, you know, there's, there's studies and, and blogs all about this all over the place. I mean, the data is there. I mean, shame on you if you don't, you know, reach out and, and, and study it, right? Yeah. So this is fantastic. And in, in a minute, we're going to actually ask, ask how people can get connected with you. But as we close the podcast out, 
is there one resource like a book or a blog or a website or a YouTube video that you highly recommend people? Something that's made a difference in your career? The number one, uh, you know, book I've read as a sales professional and personally, I really enjoyed it was Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. So, you know, great book for your personal life, great book for your professional life. You know, it definitely comes, you know, highly recommended. Fantastic. And then are there three other, uh, let's call them go-to-market professionals, because they could be in sales, marketing, customer success, or business development, who you recommend and respect that we should bring on to the show? Yeah, I got three frontline sales leaders that, you know, are all considered career mentors of mine in different capacities. I got John Matthews at Okta, Keith Ro- Roseland Barnes at Data Robot, Barry Stafford at a Salesforce. Fantastic. You were just coached for the role that you're in. You know, it's like everything is just like checking all the boxes for where you want to go next. Okay. As we wind the podcast down, if folks are interested in connecting with you and they have questions, which I'm sure for this one, people will, um, how can they get connected with you? LinkedIn, my number one platform. I tried to shed Facebook, shed Instagram, shed Twitter, you know, really refine it to one platform. Um, yeah, so so LinkedIn's, you know, my jam. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your thoughts with us, and best of luck in your journey. Thanks so much, Asher. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and share these insights with your peers. 